on a selection Sunday morning in Las Vegas. If you don't know what that means, you're probably at least still half asleep and listening to the wrong station. So wake up and put on the right station. If that makes sense, you're good. Stay tuned because it's just after 8 o'clock. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning, if you're listening for the first time, on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM at 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are doing the show from Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar, which is just down the road from Cashman Center. The address is 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard. Kickers will be our home for a while because due to COVID-19 protocols, still all live shows have been kicked out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio. And all we've been told is that is until further notice. So if you are, uh, um, if you are up and mobile, why don't you uh, come on down, man? Join us. We'll hook you up with some free donuts and orange juice at Kickers. Uh, they're also offering mimosa and Bloody Morning Bloody Mary specials during the show. Joining me on the show is our longtime intern and social media director, Spencer the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but nothing better than being in here. Honestly, if you can look at the backdrop, I would say there's nothing better. Like this alone is enough coming to just look at this awesome piece of art back here. So if you're into that, I mean, why not stop by and yeah. check it out? Yeah, Kickers is awesome, man. It's a, it's a really cool place. And just a little about The Wiz. He is the only intern in the world, as you just heard, with his own theme music. And The Wiz has his own sports talk show now called Delivering Sports. It's Friday nights at 7 on KSHP, which is 1400 a.m., on your radio dial. Um, also part of the show and social distancing back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio producer and future WWE star, Dino Demon, known around Lotus Broadcasting as Demon Cotton. The show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network. And you can watch the show on Facebook Live. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. You can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Out of Line Fox LV. One more time at Adeline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are always welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to call. Um, they do all your home financing, and they take care of all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp funding America one neighborhood at a time. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights continue to roll in spite of a COVID scare. The Mountain West Tournament wrapped up yesterday, and as expected, the Rebels were out early. And again, it's Selection Sunday, and... Um, Spencer and I will do our best to break it down and help you with your decision-making before filling out your brackets. And also, one of the all-time greats in the boxing world passed away last night. Marvelous Marvin Hagler, I should say, yesterday afternoon. Uh, pound for pound, one of the greatest fighters of all time. And definitely want to pay a little tribute to him as well. Again, if you are awake and want some free donuts and orange juice right now, come on down to Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar 931. North Las Vegas Boulevard, just down the road from Cashman Center and the Neon Graveyard. That's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Choose a company you can trust. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America. One neighborhood 
at a time. And uh, before we get started, I really want to talk real quickly about Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar. This place is awesome. I mean, and tonight, if you didn't know, not tonight, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, bars are going to be at 50% occupancy, so they will be picking it up here. It's pretty cool. Uh, come on down to Kickers. They've got all kinds of stuff going on. A great uh, golf game back here. They've got the uh, shuffleboard. I mean, this is a really cool place to come and check it out. Even a photo booth, man. You come in and take a picture. 17 big screen televisions and 15 gaming machines. They show all the NHL games with the center ice package. $2 Vegas Golden. I should say $2 shots during Vegas Golden Knights games and free shots every time a Vegas Golden Knights goal is scored. Last night, Spencer, if you were here watching the Vegas Golden Knights, you got drunk. Five free shots last night as they won five to one. And we'll talk about that in a minute on uh on nightcap, but also I want to say the green, it's also a green Bay Packers bar during the NFL season. They've got the NFL ticket. They do Jersey and other green Bay gear raffles and giveaways. It's a great time. And for first time responders, uh, they pay it forward, man. Frontline workers appreciation special 50% off beverages all the time, 24 seven here at kickers. Come on down. This place is great. They show the UFC fights and all the other pay-per-view events. You got to get here early for those though, because uh, the place gets packed. You can follow them on social media as well. Stay up to date with all the events, viewing parties and happenings at kickers. Check out kickers.com man. Uh, Jennifer Metzger and uh, Dylan Reese, man, what a great job. The two owners here really have put together a place. One of the very few standalone establishments in sports bars in downtown Las Vegas. They're bringing it back. The place is modern. As Spencer mentioned during the open, man, the art behind us, if you're watching on social media, is really, really cool. This place is awesome. Come on down and check it out. And also, they are a full-service tavern uh, license they have, which means they have the ability to sell you the beer that they sell at the bar to take home. That is extremely unique and something the kickers can offer as well. So, man, come on down and check this place out. It is awesome, and uh, we love doing the show. We've been doing it for a few months now, and again, we'll be here for the foreseeable future. So it is pretty, it's awesome, man, and definitely no better place to check out a Golden Knights game. And if you are a Packers fan during the season, uh, man, you need to be here for those games. I'm not. I'm a Lions fan, but every Sunday I'll be here anyways doing the show if uh, the pandemic's not over by then. So, again, Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar, 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard, just down the road from Cashman Center and the Neon Graveyard, which is pretty awesome. It has all the old signs in Las Vegas. You can check that out while you're in the area as well. So um, come on down. And again, um, the Golden Knights, Spencer, let's hit it, man. Nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Cap, um, I'll tell you what, the Vegas Golden Knights, one of the best teams in the NHL. Spencer, they continue to roll. Got a big scare on Thursday with COVID uh, protocol. We thought Marc-Andre Fleury might be out for as much as two weeks. He didn't miss a game or a beat. Turned out to be a false alarm. And, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury stayed in net. Two big wins against the St. Louis Blues two years ago. Uh, Stanley Cup champions, a very good team. And uh, the Vegas Golden Knights handled them pretty handily yesterday night, 5-1. to one. Um, Coming off of two losses, their first two losses in a row, I think, this season to the Minnesota Wild, that scared everybody. Well, I think they might have lost two in a row to the Avalanche as well. But um, other than that, this team's eight of their last ten games – 
first place in their division. They are absolutely killing it, Spencer. And again, on top of the great play of Marc-Andre Fleury, which has been nothing short of spectacular again, is this guy just keeps getting older and better. I'm the Tom Brady of the NHL pretty soon. I mean, he is ridiculous. But I got to talk about Alex Tuck as well. This guy just continues to get better. I mean, I said last year, you know, he got hurt. He kind of didn't really play well through the in, after the injury, and people were wondering, will Tuck get back? I mean, he's got the size, the speed, some of the best hands in the NHL. I think that was, we'll see over time, and yet he wasn't playing well. All of a sudden, something lit a fire under this guy's ass, and he has been nothing short of spectacular. Scored another goal last night. He is tied for the lead in goals on the team with Max Pacioretty, your guy, with 13 goals, and he is third on the team with 20 points behind. Of course, the team captain, Mark Stone, is one of the best players in the National Hockey League. And then you've got Max Pacioretty with 25 points. But how about, you know, Alex Tuck, man, the third leading scorer, uh, the th third leading point total, and second tied for the leading scorer on this team this year. He is a big reason the Golden Knights have made this transition from a great team to an elite team in the National Hockey League this year. And, you know, picking up Alex Petrangelo, he just keeps getting better, and I, we'll see this guy get better. And with Shea Theodore, you've got the best defensive tandem in the National Hockey League. And now put Alex Tuck up front with guys like Stone and Pacioretty, this team, Spencer, is geared and looks like uh, they have all the makings to finally get over the hump and win the Stanley Cup this year. Well, I, I want to ask you, before we get too deep into the specifics, does this year feel different to you? Because we've seen the Golden Knights be successful from the first year that they arrived in Vegas. We know they went straight to the Stanley Cup, but does it feel like they're on par with where they've been, or do they feel like a level above where they started when they came into Vegas? And I guess more specifically last year, because the first year will always be this very, very special moment, I think, where the entire city groups around them after this tragic event, and they just kind of feed off that energy. And then the second year, they're just a regular hockey team, right? They're getting into the regular flow. They're just a franchise. For some reason, and I'll say, I guess I'll give my answer first, this year does feel like there's something a little more pizzazz to the team that they've shaken off the the cool kid energy, and now they're just like, we are just a hockey team. We're not the new team on town. We are here to stay, and we're here to make a difference. Do you feel the same way? No, Spencer, I really do. I think it is unique in the way that they just find ways to win this year. You know, they started off at the beginning of the year and people were looking for reason to criticize them. And the one reason was the power play. They were inefficient on the power play, which special teams is gigantic in hockey. You have to capitalize when you have a one or two man advantage. And when you don't on a consistent basis, you're going to lose hockey games. The Golden Knights didn't lose games. They were winning close ones. They lost a few. Maybe they should have won, but they have been tearing it up and they're clear clicking on all cylinders right now. And it's amazing because, you know, people would argue that in the short time they've been here, they might have the most passionate fan base in the National Hockey League. These people might not have known a great deal about hockey before it got here, but man, they have educated themselves in a hurry and they love this team. You know, it came, you know, we know about the tragedy a few years back in their inaugural season, the terrible shootings at, you know, out of Mandalay Bay at the country concert and um, the city rallied around itself and they really used the Golden Knights to as their rallying cry and the Golden Knights responded obviously with a run to the Stanley Cup finals and uh and even won the first game in the finals got everyone excited of course that was the Washington Capitals year but what's crazy is they're doing this in spite of no fans and 
I mean, there was nothing like, and I mean, coming from Detroit, which is still dubbed hockey town, and you see the most passionate hockey fans in the world in the city of Detroit. I mean, they live and die by their Red Wings. Well, they've been dying a lot lately since that long-standing playoff run. But I'll tell you what, man, this Golden Knights team, is something special and to win with no fans and it doesn't matter where they play. You know, they didn't win outdoors. They had a tough time against the avalanche up in Reno in the, in the winter, in one of the winter classic games. But yeah, Spencer, this is a different season and you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, we all liked Robin Leonard coming over, not so much to push Rob Mark Andre Fleury. A lot of people, including myself thought he would take his job, but because now you really have shored up the goaltending position, you've got two people, which you need, two quality goaltenders to make a run because guys got to get a break here and there. And man, with Robin Leonard now backing up Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, wow, are they stacked? And he, you know, he's Robin Leonard's been practicing. He's back. And Marc-Andre Fleury, man, I mean, this guy, you know, and I can't talk enough about him, Spencer. Uh, I was terrified when I heard that he might have COVID because two weeks without him would maybe change the dynamic of this hockey team because he is so special again. And I ask you this question, being a young guy and watching guys, you know, I mean, there's a good chance you'd have never heard of a Marc-Andre Fleury because most guys would have been retired before you even became a hockey fan at his age. And yet he is, again, like Tom Brady, clicking on all cylinders and I just hope that at you know you're in your upper 30s your late 30s you can maintain this through the brutal Stanley Cup playoffs when everyone elevates their game but what do you think of a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury how does a younger generation view an older guy I know how you view Tom Brady we've talked about that a number of times but how do you view Marc-Andre Fleury uh, well, I got to tell you, I, I already feel ready to retire and I'm only in my 20s so <laughs> I have a real appreciation for Marc-Andre Fleury and what he's doing I think more than anything, more than his age, because I think we get caught up in the numbers so much, is his passion for the game. He loves being out there. There are guys, we see guys on like UNLV's team, like young college students who don't have a passion for what they're doing. And to have that same sort of energy at that age, to go that far into your career and just be that engaged, not to just be good. Like we see Ben Roethlisberger last year. He still wants to play the game of football, obviously. He would have retired otherwise, but he didn't. Lo- he does not love the game anymore. He goes out there because he has the skill set and the size to do it and still the arm strength, but he didn't dedicate his body every single offseason. He's falling apart. Looks like when he falls down, he might be out for the season. Marc-Andre Fleury is taking big hits. He's taking risky moves still. He's still trying to innovate himself every time he's out on the ice. And I have to, you have to appreciate that. No matter who you are, you cannot hate Marc-Andre Fleury. And on top of that, he just happens to be such an awesome guy. I only met him once, but he doesn't know me, but he was so nice to me. And I know you've had some, also some great interactions with him. He's a very unique person. I don't know if the Golden Knights would be nearly as successful if they had another goaltender who started them year one. I know, Obviously, you can say that they probably wouldn't have gone to the Stanley Cup, but even if they had a player as skilled as Marc-Andre Fleury somehow end up to them on the draft, there is no way that they would have gone that far because he's just the leader of the team. You, get, you would think a guy like him, you get Robert Leonard. They're like... He, most guys would think that's my replacement, but you think you'd have the like the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers relationship where it just falls apart really quickly and there's animosity. I never feel that from him. All Mark Andre Fleury did was be one of the best goaltenders in the league still, and eventually they just have to give you your job back. Now he got injured, granted, so he didn't take his job, but it looks like Mark Andre Fleury is the starting goaltender for this team now. I would say. 
you know, you have to be at this point. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has once again earned the position. And I smile because, you know, you talk about him. When you see Marc-Andre Fleury in the locker room, like before or after a game with his pads off, you think you're looking at a UPS driver. You expect him to put on his little brown shirt and run out to his truck. He does not look like the prototypical goaltender or world-class athlete that he is. But, boy, you talk about a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. That is Marc-Andre Fleury. This guy does nothing but win. And you were right. He is one of the most fiery and fierce competitors I have ever been around. And yet you wouldn't know it by his demeanor because he's such a good guy. And yes, I've had a couple of experiences, some great interviews with Marc-Andre Fleury. And real quickly, I'll tell that story one more time about my experience with Marc-Andre Fleury in his first year. First of all, being from Detroit, I remember in Sidney Crosby's rookie year, the Red Wings had a a 3-2 lead on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Marc-Andre Fleury decided after the Red Wings won their third game, I'm not going to let any more pucks in the net. In the final two games, he let one puck in the net. And Sidney Crosby, of course, we realized what a superstar he was then and was going to be. But Marc-Andre Fleury shut down the Red Wings and stopped them from scoring. And so when I I heard Marc-Andre Fleury was our goalie, I'm like, oh, no. I hate this dude, man. I don't want him to be the Golden Knights goalie. I got to go interview him, and I can't stand him. And then I meet him, and I'm like, oh, my God. He might be the humblest, most humble superstar I've ever met in my life. Just a true gentleman, a great guy. And as you know, my experience, the, 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 the Knights make the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm down at City National Arena for the practice before the very first game. It's the day of the game that they play the first game at T-Mobile Arena against the Washington Capitals. And I see Marc-Andre Fleury, and nobody's talking to him in the locker room. All the other, you know, you got media in from all over the world. They're talking to everybody. And Mark's standing by himself. So I thought, what a great opportunity. I'm going to run over and get a quick interview. And I go over to see Marc-Andre Flurry, and he says to me, I can't talk to you. I'm not supposed to talk to the media today during practice. He goes, but I'll talk to you tonight after the game. And I said, what, after you guys win? And he goes, he puts a big smile. He goes, yeah, after we win. And so the game goes on. They win that first game. You know, of course, that was the only game they won in the Stanley Cup Finals. And I go down the locker room, and he is in a mosh pit. There's a, you know, I want to say a million, a gross exaggeration, but several media members surrounding and encompassing Marc-Andre Fleury as always, right? And I see him. I'm standing at the kind of by myself, kind of waiting. And he leads around like this little lean with his head. And he sees me and he beckons me to come over. And he goes, hey, I owe you an interview. And he goes, and you said we'd win. And I am, Spencer, I'm telling you, you know, I'm an emotional guy as it is. I nearly started crying like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that in the Stanley Cup finals, he is going to honor this in front of all the media. He tells him, hey, wait, I got to talk to this guy. I've never forgot that. I never will. It was one of my most shining moments as a sports journalist or sports. I am not a sports journalist, but a sports media member, a member of the media. And, um, oh, my God, Spencer, it was magical to me. And Mark talking, you know, gave me all of a two minute interview, was as gracious as he always is. And I just left there beaming like, oh, my God. Now, granted, I was wearing the same clothes I was wearing at practice during the day. So that helped him recognize me. But it was one of my coolest moments ever doing this job and reminded me why I love doing what, what I do so much. And I was also like a little kid in a candy store, man. It was really, really cool. And that is the person that exemplifies 
who Mark Andre Fleury is. I've talked to other people. I have a friend that lives down the street from and says he's always out in the street playing hockey with the kids in the neighborhood. I mean, that's who he is. No pretentiousness. And when you say Spencer, and it was a really good point about him loving playing the game. He is a throwback. This guy plays the game to play the game. He wants to be on the ice playing and contributing and needed and he likes to be loved. And you know what? We love you, Mark. We love him in in, in, uh, in in Las Vegas. The only player that I can say I met in my life, although he wasn't quite as nice. He had a really bad mean streak, but he was a good guy. Just I pissed him off a few times. But Chris Spielman, when he played for the Detroit Lions, was a throwback player. This guy played the game out of I said Chris Spielman would probably have paid to play in the NFL. That's how much he loved playing football. The only high school player to this day that's ever appeared on a Wheaties box as a high school football player player when he was playing in Canton, Ohio, which was fitting, although he's not going to get there. But um, he played with the passion of Marc-Andre Fleury. And I use it as an analogy because the only two guys I ever saw that just didn't think about it as a professional sport. They just thought about it as a sport, and I love to play like us going to play pickup games. So we'll move on. But Marc-Andre Fleury, let me tell you something. This guy is for real. And I think if the Golden Knights are going to make this run, yes, they will need Robin Leonard healthy and in the lineup, and they are going to need him to spell Marc-Andre Fleury. But at this point, I think in my view, I think in Pete DeVore's view, and I think in the entire locker room's view of the Vegas Golden Knights, Marc-Andre Fleury is the guy. And it is so cool to say that because really, if he would have somehow left before the season started, I wouldn't have complained and neither would have anybody else. I all thought maybe that was somewhat expected. He took a little bit less money and he said, I want to be a Vegas Golden Knights. He loves and appreciates Las Vegas as much as we love and appreciate him. And that is so cool and such a good story in the world of sports. I can't tell you, but right now we're going to move on to something else. I know you're passionate about, I'm passionate about, and it is fact this today. Fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. The Mountain West Conference Tournament ended yesterday with the conference's two best teams playing in the conference championship. This, of course, meant UNLV was once again not one of those two teams. And the way things looked won't be for a while. Spencer... You're a UNLV alum. Now, I can say alum now, man. I'm so proud of you graduating this year. Such a good job, and, and it's really cool that you've moved on and you worked so hard to get all that done. But it's hard to be proud of your alma mater other than the fact that you've got a degree from them, a D1 college degree, which is awesome. But as as their sports franchises go, if you're a sports nut like you and I are, um, it's got to be painful to be a UNL alum and watch what is happening to the two most storied programs at a college, which is football and basketball. They are the revenue earners. They are they are the, the sports that are most watched by, by fans. And yet, I mean, I am telling you, after things started looking like they were improving a little bit last year with T.J. Otzenberger, they had a better record above, above a 500 record. It was pretty cool. They didn't get invited to a conference tournament, but that was kind of because, you know, we didn't even know before anything, before the finals of the, the NIT or the C, CBI could even be announced, we had COVID protocol. So they might have gotten an invitation to the CBI last year, which I think they would have. 
This year, completely stuck in reverse again. They ended up 12 and 15 overall, 8 and 10 in the conference after the tournament. They be did beat Air Force handily in the, the playing round, basically, in the tournament, but that was expected. Air Force, no offense to them, and, and everyone appreciates their sponsorship of the, the Mountain West Conference tournament, which the Air Force Reserves does sponsor. But my God in heaven, Spencer. This is a bad basketball team. And the one thing I'll say, and I want you to talk about this, because you went to the Air Force game. You weren't at the Utah State game with me, which I watched. They went to the locker room tied in the Utah State game. In all of my years, I can't say all my years, since Craig Smith has been the coach of the Utah State Aggies, they played the worst half of basketball I saw them play in the first half against UNLV, and yet the score was tied at halftime. And then, of course, Craig Smith went in the locker room and said, what the hell is going on here? He kicked some ass and took some names, and Utah State came out of the locker room, a different team, and basically blew UNLV out. That's what a coach does. He makes halftime adjustments, something we don't know what that is in Nevada, Las Vegas. But, Spencer, how does this happen? How does this team regress? And... Is this a direct reflection of Desiree Reed Francois? Because I said at the game, and I'm going to say it right here on the radio, Andy Grossman, you might be mad at me for doing this, but I never thought I would see a worse athletic director than Tina Coons or Murphy. And Desiree Reed Francois is that. She's worse. In retrospect, they don't look that bad at all, the previous one. When you go down and look at some of the guys who are now making their rounds, but I would say I'm a little I'm numb at this point to UNLV losing. I don't even know if I care anymore, which is sad because it it, it is. That's I'm an, really sad. I'm an alumni, right? And it should be important to me whether they win or lose. But they've been that bad since I got to school, since my freshman year. So eventually, you just get used to losing. But I would say what's most disappointing is, and we talked about it after the game, is we know that there is a problem with Bryce Hamilton and Mbake Jong with their motor. And I don't think it's a coach's responsibility to teach them how to have a motor. You can't teach someone to have – it just doesn't exist. They either have it or they don't. But it is the responsibility of the coach to learn how to get their motor, whatever it is, to run. And he just didn't. They were not at any point in the season engaged with him. Bryce Hamilton sometimes was on, and that's because we know he can do that at any point in time. But when he's having blown layups – when he's just not looking like he's a teammate around, that like he's looking to get his own. He takes like 16 shots, not on the glass, not passing the ball, even when he's not even getting double teamed. And like TJ has to find a way. Well, I'm sure he won't get fired this offseason, which I think he should, because I think he's just lost the locker room anyways. <laughs> you got the shortest leech in the country. For well, any let me, let me explain it to you this way. Have, if you ever like in all the teams and all the championship teams that you've seen in Detroit, and I'm not talking about the Lions, of course, but you've seen championships in base in hockey when you saw when you had those yes you've you've seen a lot of success when you see the success on those teams and you saw those coaches at any point in time ever in any of those coaches did you think mm, i wonder if this coach is going to be it you kind of knew instantly didn't you when you saw those great teams play that you knew that coach was going to be a one to either do lead them to some sort of greatness it may not you may not have predicted a championship. Sometimes you may with Detroit Pistons, of course. You probably would have said, yeah, they're probably going to win finals. But in any of those other teams, did you ever think that that coach was not a good coach? No, Spencer, and you use this with Detroit Pistons because I'll tell you what. You look at the Detroit Pistons in the run of the late 80s and early 90s with the bad boys. Chuck Daly was a maestro. 
Look what Dennis Rodman became when Chuck Daly left the Pistons. He was completely unmanageable. He looked at Chuck Daly as a father. He was able to control Dennis Rodman. Nobody else in history has been able to control Dennis Rodman. But Chuck Daly was able to get inside of his melon and turn him into maybe one of the most prolific rebounders in NBA history. And I'll argue that point with anybody. Dennis Rodman in his prime, for a guy that was six feet six, was unbelievable at cleaning the glass. Nobody did it like him. He was magical to watch, and he had this enthusiasm, desire, for God's sakes, when he won his first Defensive Player of the Year award, he cried. He was humble. Chuck Daly leaves. Ron Rosting takes over the team, and Dennis Rodman becomes a different player. Yes, you knew Chuck Daly was special. Scotty Bowman, well, it spoke for himself what he had done with the Montreal Canadiens and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Marc-Andre Fleury can even talk a little bit about, about Scotty Bowman. But then, of course, he comes to the Detroit Red Wings and gets them over the hump of finally starting to win Stanley Cup finals. And, yes, you knew he was magical as well. And Sparky Anderson back in 84 with the Detroit Tigers and 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 even Jim Leland in the in the you know, at the tail end of his career, he had done a great job with the Pittsburgh Pirates, leading them to a championship. And of course, you know, Sparky Anderson with the great red machine in the early seventies. Yes. I knew he was special as well. The lions, they've never had a special coach. So you're right. I don't know what that is, but you are correct. You know, there is something special about coaches. You knew Jerry Tarkanian was a special guy. I don't care about all the allegations or what he did. Find me a great D1 basketball or football program that doesn't have some corruption involved. And you know what? You're disillusioning yourself. They're all somewhat corrupt. It's all about money and making money. And Jerry Tarkanian found a way to do it in Las Vegas. He turned a little tiny school into a national basketball powerhouse. And people got used to it. They got affected by it. They loved it here. And now it is a sham. It's in shambles. It's not even remembered. People your age, other than people your Rage that are in Las Vegas don't even remember the Tarkanian years anymore. UNLV is a garbage team as far as they're concerned. It's repulsive. And I'm going to get back to your initial statements about the coach because you know I've talked a lot about the motors of Mbake Zhang and of Bryce Hamilton and how they don't run all the time. And Bakke Zhang has regressed. It's very unfortunate he got hurt at the at the at the tail end of the Utah State game. Luckily, that was the last game of the season for him. But last year, you know, he was playing with a passion. Somehow that went away. At times we would see it this year, and at times we wouldn't. And it's a shame because we're talking a guy about a guy that's a breath under seven feet tall that would get a cup of coffee in the NBA at least for his height, his size, but the loss of that motor probably cost him that opportunity. Maybe he'll play in Europe. Bryce Hamilton has NBA ability. Yes, I'm saying it. I have watched him, and I watched him in the Utah State game, the Air Force game, and the couple of other games we saw this year make some moves that you have to be NBA caliber to make, and he makes those moves. He has an inside presence. He can take the ball to the hole, and when that motor is running, he can play defense. Bryce Hamilton is one of the best players talent-wise in the Mountain West Conference, and we did not see that nearly enough this year, and the record is indicative of that. This team underachieved big time. When you've got a guy that at the beginning of the season, a lot of people thought it would be Kada, a lot of people thought it would be Matt Mitchell, which it was, but a lot of people also said Bryce Hamilton is in the mix for Conference Player of the Year. I don't even know if he'll be second-team all-conference this year. Probably will be second-team all-conference, but that's his, he should have been first-team all-conference. 
This is a potential NBA player that we will probably see like Derek Jones. He doesn't have quite the hops of a Derek Jones, but that will develop over time and end up playing in the NBA. I think he's that talented. Really, really unfortunate. And that's TJ Otzelberger, and that is Desiree Reefitz. Why? Because, again, last night, uh, my friend Brian Shapiro and, and we're, we're talking at the game. We were talking also with um, with Kelly, Kevin Bollinger, uh, you know, Channel 3 News. And here's the thing. What we said is, what happened to Joel and Tomway? This guy, well, I think he went to Kansas State, but the point is, this guy was the real deal. T.J. Otzelberger, the first thing he did should have been at his parents' house and, and with Joel Embiid telling him how much we need you to make this team work because that guy was a superstar potential, and he walked right away from the program. And T.J. said, well, I want my guys. Your guys aren't doing it, brother. The guys that you recruited, Caleb Grill, Moses Wood. I mean, David Jenkins started the season lousy. In the middle of the season, started picking up and looked great and ended the season as a flop as well. And we saw why he had to play where he played and why you had to bring him from the Jackrabbits because that's where he was that that was his skill set. I'm sorry, but it was. He would have he wouldn't have played on a lot of D1 teams. He wouldn't have seen the floor. This is a crime, Spencer. And does T.J. Otzelberger should he be fired next year? No. You, I mean, I always look at coaches like this. A collegiate athlete gets four years of eligibility, sometimes five and six, depending on redshirts. You don't give a coach five or six. You give him a college scholarship. Give him four years because in four years, he will it will be all his players and it will be his team by the end of the fourth year. I think that's fair in any sport, but my God, when you're this bad last year, no, next year he should be on the hot seat and he should not get more than three years if he's lousy next year. I'll say that for him. And the next thing I'll also say besides TJ Asperger is the same thing with Marcus Royal. What a garbage hire that was to this point. I mean, he's a quarterback guru at Oregon. Everyone loved the guy and he has turned out to be garbage, at least in his first year. They didn't win a game. It was UNLV has been criticized for how bad their defense has been for years. And my God, it was the worst it's ever been under Marcus Arroyo. It's like they didn't even have a defense. We saw that Wyoming game, and I've said a bunch of times, and your dad, of course, Mark Ostrowski here joining us in the audience out there. But I said, you know, your dad and mom could have driven individual trucks through the hole we saw open up against Wyoming. It was unbelievable, and they would have been untouched. How, with 11 men on a football field that's 50 yards wide, how the hell could two semis get through a defense? It would have had, was that not the worst? It was like the second play of the game too. It was horrific. It was hard to watch and it was embarrassing as a member of the media. And I can only imagine as a member of the alumni. And it goes back again to Desiree Francois. And I got to give credit to again, my buddy, Brian, who's probably the only guy on the air that called this out when Desiree Francois said, I'm taking my name out of the hat for UCLA. Please. You already knew there was somebody in line to be hired and you were never going to get that job. And it was absolutely a slap in all of our faces in the media and the sports minded public to think that we believed for one second that you really took your name out of the hat. You weren't getting the job. You should have just sat down and shut up and accepted it. Now, maybe I'm thinking she scheduled those or she allowed TJ to schedule those two Patsy games that gave them two wins, St. Benedictine and whatever the hell the other school was, St. Catherine or something. And now I'm thinking maybe Desiree Reed Francois was lobbying for the athletic director job at one of those schools. So that's why she let them get on the schedule. And I'm sorry, I don't like to rip this badly on something, but I am embarrassed as a member of the media for the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Get your 
stuff you leave in the toilet together and get it together soon because this university is a sham. And especially with Tony Sanchez, who deservedly lost his job. He, he, he was a great public speaker. He was a great person for the community. He wasn't a great collegiate football coach. He needed more seasoning. Maybe he should have gone and started as an assistant somewhere after Gorman for a while. But Tony Sanchez was able to enamor the alumni, get people like Fertitta to go ahead and build one of the nicest workout facilities in the country in that Fertitta Center on campus right now. you got a Legion Stadium that your college football team is playing in one of the nicest NFL stadiums in the country and the Thomas and Mac is still a unique facility as far as college basketball goes, and yet you're putting garbage products in both those facilities. It's a crime, it's disgusting, and it needs to change now. And it needs to start right at the top. They need to get rid of her. It's just that simple. She hasn't been in our show now. She probably never will come on my show. But the point is, I don't care. We have to call it like it is, and this is really terrible. UNLV, I'm done being embarrassed, man. I'm just going to call it out because here's the deal. T.J. Otzelberger is the highest-paid coach in the Mountain West Conference. I'm not sure if you knew that or not, but he is. You've got Brian Dutcher at San Diego State who perennially has one of the best defenses in the country. San Diego State plays as good as defense as anybody out there. This guy coached under Steve Fisher. For years and years, he's been his assistant coach. He finally gets his due. And what does he do? He takes over and they keep winning. They just keep going, keep rolling. How about Craig Smith at Utah State? You want to talk about the job this guy did? One of the greatest basketball games I've ever seen in my life was last year's conference championship game between Utah State and San Diego State. And Utah State pulled it out. Now, granted, Sam Merrill might have had the biggest heart I've ever seen for a basketball player. And I love seeing him succeeding now in the NFL, NBA and getting minutes. People were worried he was a tweener. His heart's so big that he's making it. The NBA and he will be a player and I'll tell you before his career ends I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Merrill finds his way into an all-star team one day because he has that much heart and that much desire and then you look at Colorado State a garbage team picked to finish one of the last in the conference and look what Nico Medved did an old assistant for Larry Eustace he just takes Colorado State makes them one of the highest scoring teams in the Mountain West makes them significant and gets them to the semifinals something UNLV couldn't do and then you've got Leon Rice at, at Boise State Leon always gets his team good in the regular season unfortunately he's not a good postseason coach at least to this point based on his record but all four of those guys are head and shoulders above TJ Otzelberger and yet Otzelberger's paid more than all of them. And I'll bet Craig Smith, all four of those guys, maybe not Leon Rice. He's been at Boise forever and he's very well taken care of there, but they will all get offers at big time universities. And I'll bet Craig Smith is gone at Utah State next year. This guy is just way too good of a coach. And Nico Medved, I'm sure at Colorado State is talking to some big time universities. This is repulsive. And then you see a team that completely had an overhaul after last year in Nevada, Reno, after getting two guys that are in the NBA in the, um, uh, the Martin brothers that are both playing for the Charlotte Hornets, I believe right now. Um, is it something like that? No, they're both playing there. They're both on the team. And then you've got uh, Jordan Caroline who's playing over in uh, Europe and Jazz Johnson's playing here. All those guys are gone. What do they do? They go get Steve Alford. who gets cast off from UCLA and they find their way to the conference semifinals in his first year there. And he could have been a UNLV coach, by the way. I'm sure he would have loved to coach in, the, in UNLV. This is a crime. I'm not going to beat this horse any more into the Elmer glue factory than I have to. But Spencer, after my rant and my going off, what do you agree or disagree with what I said? There, there, there is a lot to unpack there. And again, it just goes back to this point when you talk about all those, those coaches, like it was never a question. And how many times have we questioned just in, it, to me in the first season, I, I kind of called it 
I don't think he understands player rotations. I don't think he understands talent. So I don't think you should waste your time with two more years of us being at the bottom of the conference. And again, I feel bad, like, but it's not like he's not going to get another job. Like he will go somewhere else. He'll just probably go to a smaller conference. But the real sad thing about all of this, and you just talked about it. We talked about all those programs that are getting better every single season, starting to produce NBA talent. The Mountain West tournament, or the Mountain West, I should say, is starting to look pretty good. Now, they still have a while ago before we start making March Madness appearances, but Utah State, San Diego State's one of the best defensive teams in the country. So all these teams are rising up from this conference that nobody cared about for a long time. And then UNOV is somehow left in the dust, one of the biggest used to be one of the most storied franchises in all of college basketball. And here we are sitting, watching them get worse in a good conference now, getting a better conference or more respectable. We were the laughing stock for a long time. It was only UNLV. And then, man, it's just crazy to see how much better that everyone around us is getting. And we're just left looking nowhere. We're looking lost. And again, I agree with you, but I agree with you even more. I think you got a clean house. Everybody's associated with the current athletic director after she gets fired. Just a new team, a new look. The, even the school board, the people who run the school need to rethink the way that they run the school. Get rid of uh, – uh, this is going to be very personal. Get rid of the CBC. Get rid of the FDH. We're not in prison. We're in a school. I hate those buildings so much. I, I feel like it's the most depressing thing in the world. You're trying to convince students to have a college experience. I know it's a bit of a commuter school, but – if you're going to get it, it all will lead together. If you have a campus that students want to go to, because we've seen numerous head coaches come to UNLV and leave after basically having them on the job, they see how awful it is there. The student union is very nice, granted, but the rest of the school is underdeveloped. There's no school spirit. When their schools, when kids are excited to, I interviewed Leon Searcy when he talked when he talked about going to Miami. He's a Hall of Famer, a college Hall of Famer, Leon Searcy. He talked about the like being at Miami, about like being around the guys and knowing what it's like to play for Miami. Nobody, nobody has ever said that about UNLV. Well, UNLV, as you said, it, it, it is it kind of a, a transient school in the respect that it doesn't have the feel. For years, you have your football stadium, Sam Boyd, way off campus that it's hard for kids to travel to without taking a cab if they don't have a car. Um, that was always a problem. And, and, and Caleb's talked about that. Oh, it didn't have a regular college feel, but it still is UNLV. And it's funny, you say, you know, completely give the school a facelift, and they need to. They really need to. Desiree Reed Francois was hired out of Cincinnati University because they, she was going to get us get UNLV into the Pac-12 or something. Into oh my God, we're not only looking at the Pac-12, we're going to be it's going to be a D2 school soon. I mean, change, make a change. Let's leave that subject alone. I want to remind everyone once again, we are live. This is out of line. I'm Brian Feldman along with Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski here at Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar. We are at 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard, just down the road from Cashman Center and the Neon Graveyard. Come on down, check us out. Free orange juice and mimosa and Bloody Mary specials during the show. Um, so come on down. We're here every Sunday. We'd love to have you down here. And, and don't forget, 17 big screen television sets. They got 15 gaming machines and Starting tomorrow, they go back to 50% occupancy, all bars in Vegas. You definitely want to get down here in Vegas Golden Knights games. No better place to watch it than right here at Kickers. $2 shots during every game and free shots every time the Golden Knights scores. Nobody does that. And again, all the UFC and pay-per-view events they have here live, you got to get here early for those to get a seat. And again, they are unbelievable and pay it forward for first responders and frontline workers. 50% off beverages all day, every day, 24-7. Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar. 
Bar, definitely come on down. Spencer, real quick before we get into March Madness, because I want to make sure we squeeze that in for the show, of course, with today being Selection Sunday. Once again, tribute to Marvin Hagler, marvelous Marvin Hagler, pound for pound, one of the greatest fighters that has ever lived. If you don't know him or don't remember him or it was before your time, Google Marvin Hagler and watch some of his fights. Knocked out the hitman Tommy Hearns here at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Some epic battle against Sugar Ray Leonard. When when fighters, when boxing was really prominent, Marvin Hagler was was right there. And again, pound for pound, the hit. Mar, I, I should say, uh, marvelous Marvin, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Really a beast. Three losses in his entire career and forty some odd victories. I don't have the stats up, but man, the, the boxing world definitely lost a legend in Marvin Hagler yesterday. So you know, hats off to his family and everyone else. Marvin, man, thank you uh, for for entertaining us the way you did in that industry. You were truly one of the best I ever saw, and it was a pleasure to watch that man fight. All right, real quickly, let's move on to March Madness, and uh, you know, Spencer, all the conference tournaments going on. It's just such an empty feel with seeing some of the places that are allowing a few fans in and so many empty stadiums. Wild watching the Thomas and Mac this year with no fans in the stadium during the thing. They still were doing fireworks in the starting lineups yesterday, but it's so empty like the stadium when you're watching it, but still two pretty good games. The two cream of the crop played here against San Diego State wins, get the automatic bid. Utah State will be on the bubble, but with 20 wins, I think they'll get in. They've been prominent the last couple of years. The committee likes Craig Smith, and Craig Smith, they know, will bring everything he has to the game in the NCAA tournament. Plus, Utah State got peeled last year, winning the Mountain West Conference tournament and not getting to go because of COVID. That's why I think this committee will put them in this year. Two Mountain West teams. Boise would have been there if they would have maybe won one more game. They get bumped by Nevada Reno, and that definitely booked kick them out. Colorado State is good. They're considered a bubble team, but I think they will be one of the one of the teams left out and, and Mountain West. Two teams in and the only two teams that probably deserve to be in are those teams. San Diego State people say, can they make a run? Let me tell you something. Matt Mitchell is the real deal. This guy will be a lottery pick in the NBA. He's a wide body that understands how to use his body. He plays at both ends of the floor. And when he when his motor is on high, he, he is among the elite and one of the best players in the country. And again, Brian Dutcher understands college basketball defensive philosophy as good as any coach in the country. San Diego State has always ranked among the top defensive teams in the country. And the bottom line is, people, if you haven't heard this cliche, again, you're listening to the wrong sports channel. You're Listen to the wrong channel. You should be listening to sports. Defense wins championships in every sport. And Dutcher and Steve Fisher before him understood that. And that's why they have had the success at San Diego State that they have had. Moving on from the Mountain West and talking about teams that legitimately have a chance to win a national title. One team that I really like, Spencer, I'm going to help you out with your brackets right now. The Southeastern Conference is not always known for its basketball. But this Alabama team is for real. And there's a, a name that's kind of funny because you think of an old Baltimore Colts quarterback, Burt Jones. Burt Jones plays for Alabama, and it's not the same Burt Jones. He is the conference player of the year for for Alabama for, for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, they're playing LSU, as a matter of fact, two hours after our or an hour after our show ends today. You can see the Southeast Conference Championship game with um against LSU. But this team, here's the deal. They have they get up 
a shot every 14 seconds on average throughout the season. That's how bad. They are a run-and-gun basketball team. They are number one in the country in defensive efficiency. What do we just say about defense? It wins championships. And the main reason for this is their ability to guard one-on-one. They do it as well as anyone in the country. Nobody plays better man defense. And again, with the sec player of the year, who is an elite defender himself in Burt Jones, Alabama can make a run. They score. They defend. They are very physical. And they have a little bit of swag about them and they have a tremendous amount of confidence. Alabama is for real, and again, they can make a run in the NCAA tournament. That's somebody to look out for. Um, And one of the things I do want to mention is 49 years ago yesterday, a school named Georgetown University hired a guy named John Thompson uh, to coach their basketball program, if you remember. He turned them into a national powerhouse with a dominating defense led by a seven-footer named Patrick Ewing, who is now in his fourth season as head coach of the Hoyas. By the way, John Thompson passed away this last August, one of the gurus of college basketball, which cemented the Big East as a power conference back then in the country. But Georgetown, who was 60-1 to before the tournament started to win the Big East tournament, was picked to finish last in the Big East during the regular season this year and entered the conference tournament as the A seed took on the number two seed Creighton in the Big East Championship game yesterday and blew them out 73 to 48, 13 to 12 on the season. Congratulations, Patrick, who, uh, by the way, needs a pass to get around Madison Square Gardens out from what I heard. I thought that the whole thing was a little ridiculous and I don't want to get into that, but hats off to Patrick Ewing and the Georgetown Hoyas. They're back in the tournament and it was pretty cool to see them make that run in Madison Square Gardens the year that John Thompson passes away and they win it on the 49th year anniversary of the day they first hired the guy. So I thought that's pretty cool. How far is Georgetown going to go in the tournament? One game and they're done. But they made it and it's cool. Another team, Spencer, that I like, and I'm going to let you talk because I'm dominating here and I don't mean to be. I want to hear your thoughts on this. But another team that I really, really like that, that I think my pick to win the national title, people argue with me, hey, I like Michigan. Gonzaga is undefeated. And if Mark Few is ever going to finally win his national title, this is the year to do it but their competition still lags, and that's always been the problem with Gonzaga. They can, they've gotten to the Final Four. They're a really good team. He gets the best players in the Western United States to play for him, but the lack of competition during the season hurts him every single season. Watch out for the Illinois Fighting Illini. This is a real team, Spencer. They are going to win over Ohio State and win the Big Ten Tournament. They are for real, and this Illinois team, it's my pick to win the national title this year. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far necessarily, but uh, look, a lot of the heat for college basketball is just taken out because of all of this. Like, I think college basketball has just been commercialized a lot too, but the one team that I will say that I am highly interested in is actually San Diego State. When you look at the way that they play the game fundamentally and you think about how disjointed the season is, I really do think there's an opportunity there for them to do something special in the tournament. Other than that, I mean, it's just it's going to be someone that we just don't know, I think. So I think defense is going to go a very long way. I love Alabama as well. It's actually insane that they've been able to do to their program. You think of Colin Sexton, kind of put them on the map, and now, I mean, just look at them. But I know we're out of time here. But the one thing I do want to mention before you do your outro is that you should check out the new uh, website that I have designed for Out of Line. I'm starting to post some articles here. Uh, the website is outoflinefoxsportslv.com. So go check it out. Come catch up with us, but that's all I got to say. No problem. Hey, we are out of time. The show is called Out of Line. We are here every Sunday, same time, 8 o'clock on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM. 
1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. I want to thank kickers and our host, Jennifer Metzger and Dylan Reese for having us down here again, 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard, just down the road from Cashman Center and the Neon Graveyard. Again, we're here every Sunday. Come on in for the great specials. Again, $2 shots during every Vegas Golden Knight game and free shots every time the Knights score a goal. Again, last night you'd have been drunk, man. Five free shots as they won five to one. So definitely check that out. I want to thank my uh, my co-host now, intern and social media director, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski. Moved right up the ladder. Soon he'll be passing me up and sitting in the captain's chair here as I get old and senile, which is happening quickly. And uh, also back in the studio, as always, our boy uh, Dino Damon Cotton does a tremendous job as our producer. We appreciate him. want to thank your dad for coming out. Mark Ostrowski sitting in the audience. Pretty cool. I haven't met him yet. My first time. I'll do that as soon as I, I get off the mic here. We will be back same time same place next week. It will be smack dab in the middle of March Madness, which, by the way, is all taking place in Indianapolis this year. Very unique, very different. I'm Brian Feldman. I appreciate you. Please be safe out there. Wear your mask, social distance. Get immunized as soon as you can. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.